Hello and welcome back to the Not So Fit Couple podcast with your hosts, Lucy Davis. And Benjamin Holden. I feel a lot more comfy today sat on the white chair, you know. I feel like I can relax, you know, with the, the clear chairs, we had no arm break. Oh yeah, I haven't even noticed that. How much more relaxed do you feel just, you know, sat in your I've, chair? To be fair, I've never noticed how you put my Because you can there. sit up more. I'm sitting loud and proud. But to be fair, I need to move my bike up a little bit because I'm quite slow today. But yeah, I'm so much more terrible. comfy. This, well, this is what I mean, this is why... When you have a back on your chair and you've got arm, you I feel like my posture's actually better. I am massive though, so it does make a difference. Massive, bro. This, before we kick off, is going to be the very last episode that, whether you're listening to it on Spotify, iTunes, or YouTube, you will need to jump over to the YouTube channel to put your name in the hat for the competition giveaway which you're going to be announcing at the start of may so i believe this will be the last episode you'll be able to enter for the rules has it be that you will need to subscribe to the not so fit couple podcast youtube channel and to have left a comment on one of the videos that we have published through april obviously if you want you can jump on all the videos and leave a comment that's probably put you in a better chance because we'll see your name when we come to picking it but lucy's going to run through what the giveaway is going to entail yeah, so you're going to receive a strength shop bundle, a my protein bundle, a Gymshark voucher, access to the My Coach School app for free. You'll also get a My Coach School bundle, so the bottle bands, and when we release the barbell pads again as well. Mm-hmm. So it okay. is a juicy, juicy prize. Definitely kitting you out for working out, especially. Yeah, that's going to be your last opportunity to do so. So again, if you listen to it on iTunes or Spotify, is it? Yeah, iTunes, Spotify or YouTube. No, I was going to say if you listen to it on these other two and not watch it, oh. you have to head over to the YouTube channel. Yeah. But yeah, also from other exciting news, the probably when you'll listen to this will be a week or 10 days into the new Micro School Challenge, which has kicked off superbly this week. Yes. Very exciting to see everyone excited in the, in the Facebook group and seeing everyone's comments. It was actually our biggest challenge. Gross. It was actually our biggest challenge that we've ever done. So we called it the Back to the Gym Challenge 2.0 because 1.0, we went into another bloody lockdown. (laughs) So it was Back to the Gym 2.0. There was over 1,500 people who joined new to the school on this challenge and it is honestly absolutely incredible to see everybody in the group and they're so supportive and as everyone says it is 100% and I will back this till the day I die that it is the least toxic fitness community out there. Someone said that in the live last week didn't we? Yeah doing it. loads of people were saying it this week being like I feel I can say anything in this group and I'm not going to get judged. judged I can say whatever I want and we always say no question is a stupid question and I just love that about the group. Yeah, it's great. They're freaking awesome. I think a lot of them are becoming a lot more knowledgeable now as well as they're going through because I often see posts from different members. And I think that's the, the beauty of it is we're, we're trying to educate people so they can do things themselves and spread that knowledge to other people, which is, is so good to see from the group. Obviously, if you teach a man to fish, he will never go hungry again. If you just give him a fish, he will go hungry again. Thank you so much, Lucy Davis. That That's the analogy that you it always is. use. No, great, if you yeah. teach someone how to work out, how to plan their diet, how to do this, how to do that, they can create sustainability and longevity, not just like, here's the fluff. <laughs> like, here's the fish. Crack on. What have you got in there? Water. Why are you trying my water? It smell, it wasn't vodka. It's not <laughs> like that. It's a bit loose today, aren't it? But this is also. 
the second week of gyms being open. I am so fucking sore today, you know. I'm not that sore. I'm so, and also as well, don't take this as you should be aiming to be sore. I'm just sore. Like, so sore to the point I feel itchy. My skin feels itchy. I'm sore. Yeah. Which, which to be fair, though, we did say to people, it is completely yeah, inevitable. If you're going back to the gym and you have even done things correctly, you've not gone balls to the walls, you've not been an ego gonna lifter, anyway. you're going to be sore anyway because there's so much extra stimulus and then that adaptation from that place on the muscle. I mean, yeah, pretty sore. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, don't aim to be, but you will be sore regardless. And yeah. I think as the next two or three weeks goes on, you will be less and less and less sore. And that's fine because I think a lot of people look at workouts and go, well, I'm not as sore as what well two weeks ago. So it's it's kind of I'm doing something wrong. You're not, it's just that the body becomes a lot more efficient at dealing with different loads. Yeah. That's all. And when you're in those newbie gains periods, you're going to be a lot more so obviously training's going to progress so potentially you may still be sore you had more volume in you had different exercise variation that's fine yeah definitely so today's Whoa, one more thing before we kick off Whoa. I, uh, if you if you follow me on instagram you will have seen this yesterday this is a very very special device that i'm about to pull up if you if you're not watching on oh, youtube then you're not i actually cannot but i'm actually holding this very special i bought us on amazon this is potentially the best purchase i've ever made on amazon by the way is this little coffee cup holder. Jump onto my Instagram if you want to see it being oh, used. Yes. Oh, yes. Yes, Carl. Carl's just made me a glass of water so I can demonstrate it. But but the thing is, right, Ben orders the most random shite off Instagram, uh, off Amazon you have ever seen in your life. He, come, he comes in yesterday with this thing. If you're on YouTube, definitely watch. Oh, yeah, oh look then. at me with Let my Let me demonstrate with it before you start talking about it. So this. Oh, this is a, it this a coffee laptop. Wait, I'm over the laptop. Whoa. No spill. But it Circles. Burns, no spill. <laughs> Up and down. No spill. Like I was saying. That is so if you tragic. said to me, Ben, I'm going to die because I haven't got coffee. Can you there just you put go. it down? Just quickly. Ben, ben actually put Cal it down. Cal needs a cup of coffee there quick. There you go, Cal. <laughs> no spill. There you go. Look at that. Doesn't spill. Put it down. It's at Oh, oh my God. We were talking oh. yesterday, by the way. Why have coffee houses not got these? Why have pubs... Why do you need that? No, wait. Why have pubs and restaurants not got these? Because they're carrying like five at once. Yeah, look. I've got five fingers. <laughs> look at this. What did you say over there? Say you, gin and tonic. Wait there. No problem. Boom. All the way over. Put it down now, Put man. it down there. There you go. Honestly, right. Hey, you can get food on it. Reference. Steak and chips. Boom. Over there. Done. Who's going to drop stuff in a, in a restaurant when they're carrying them? You. Going to no. be kicked out. <laughs> I, but, I'm actually thinking about... Starting to produce MCS ones, these and selling them to restaurants and stuff, especially when they're going to be outside and people serving stuff. Oh, I fell over. Whoa, still got it. Whoa. <laughs> right, if you are listening to this <laughs> podcast, not watching, you've got to go and watch what Ben was just doing then. That is the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen in my life. But it does go on quite nicely into today's podcast where we're talking about intuitive eating. I'm from it as well. I'd hope so. We're talking about intuitive eating and calorie counting, kind of intuitive eating versus calorie counting, or is it just more so we're talking about them as two different entities? Yeah, they're two different things, but it could still be versus, I think. Yeah, it's I feel just, like they it, are, Sam. You, you do one or well, the other, so it is honest, versus. Put the, I'll just put the topic as this because it's more clickbait in it. But just to really define what either one of them are, can we... I potentially like to think that most people who tune into our podcast know what calorie counting is. It's when we calculate our calorie needs based on our goals. So we want to lose weight. If we want to build more tissue, if we need more energy for performance, we're going to work out what our caloric needs are 
based on our output, age, weight, sex, height. Subtle plug, you can use the free calorie calculator on the micro school to do this if you need to. Mm-hmm. Then what we'll often do is we will look at macro content. So we can track our protein or carbs or fat intake as part of calorie counting. And we do this using software such as like MyFitnessPal to be able to count up calories. And obviously this has become very clever over time where we can scan foods uh, exactly what we're having when we go into different places so that we can be even more flexible with calorie counting when you're potentially eating off plan or when you're out and about and you just grab something and go, you can scan it, for example, prawn butty. Indeed. And you can just bang into my fitness pal and calculate what you have left for the day. So that's, that's basic calorie counting. Mm-hmm. Intuitive eating. So again, the, the definition of intuitive eating is an eating style that promotes healthy attitude towards food and body image. The idea is that you could Sorry, the idea is that you should eat when you're hungry and stop when you're full. So we pretty much we don't count calories or macros, the opposite to calorie counting. Yeah, so that's not even really flexible dieting, is it? Because they, no. they really don't call it a diet. Flexible dieting would still lend itself to calorie counting because flexible dieting is more so like based on you including foods which you can just get get and go. Like, you're not really following, like, a meal plan. You're not following Kind of food. like what I do, where I just go and, like, if I have a sandwich, we, I'll just We pretty much flexible and... diet because we're, yeah, just, yeah, yeah. we're just picking stuff up to fill the calories in. So it's still flexible dieting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it still lends itself to the terminology of calorie counting, doesn't it? So I think it's important that we kick off this week by talking about some of the advantages and disadvantages because although I am more supportive of one over the other, I think they both have benefits and lend themselves to other people or different types of people depending on where they're up to the journey however what i will say before we kick off the podcast what we are talking about today does not do not take this advice on board if you have disordered eating or have been through an eating disorder it, this advice is not for you and we're not talking about people who have been engaged in disordered eating or have uh, eating disorder behaviors it's purely just talking to people who are, have goals and wish to pursue them and they're kind of looking at what potential way or methodology may, may be best for them or you're a bit unsure of what intuitive dieting is or what calorie counting is and how you can just better your knowledge from it yeah and also just on that note about the calorie counting if you are currently going through an eating disorder or you are in recovery you should not be calorie counting this is something that is recommended if you're going through an eating disorder from like the statistics and from the research so that is just also an important point to make yeah and whilst we're on that i just like to point people in the right direction that they can be referred to if they're currently engaged in disorder eating behaviors of, of either speaking to the gp or picking up with a therapist or even speaking to some of the helplines they beat who are, are really good at offering free advice if you're struggling with an eating disorder indeed so okay some of the i think it's important that we touch on the advantages and disadvantages of both so advantages of calorie counting i think pretty obvious it's very accurate mm-hmm. because obviously you're calorie counting the the analogy that i always use with this is is your bank account so like it's pretty much the same when we're calorie counting we're looking at energy in versus energy out in order to work out what we need to take in same with when you've got your bank account you're looking at what your income is is sorry and you're looking at like what your outgoings are so your debit and credit from your bank account and ideally you want to know what's going on in order for you to build your bank account up and become more um, financially... What's the word I'm looking for? Great. 
okay, we'll go that fast. <laughs> Financially great. And you need to know kind of what's going in, what's going out based on numbers. Of course, you can kind of guess and know what's going in and out eventually. And you don't need to check it every day. But you still need to know what numbers are coming in and out in order for you to be able to be paying bills and put yourself in a nice, safe, sound position. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the another advantage of calorie counting is that it helps helps you gain knowledge and an understanding of energy balance and it also helps you gain understanding of portion size. Yep, definitely. It, 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 you learn, I think you learn quite a lot from calorie counting in terms of the, you could look at a chicken breast and be like, oh yeah, 210 calories, 25, the 40 pounds of protein. most people is peanut butter. Oh yeah, that's it. Yeah. You, you learn a very harsh mistake yes. when it comes to calorie counting with just purely peanut butter. Yeah, so 20 grams of peanut butter, I think, is approximately 116 calories. But 20 grams, let me tell you, it's 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 a little spoon. It's a little spoon. It's not it's not a big spoon. You know, plop on your 20 grams. You've probably just plopped on about 60 grams without even realizing. <laughs> I used to do that so bad. <laughs> it's far craft yours, that, isn't it? Oh, my God. Like, do you know when you say the word plop, do you know what I envision? Poo. Yeah. Yeah, I wasn't obviously talking about that, but I'm seriously though, peanut butter. It's and the worst I, one for it because it's as fat you as, could, as know, we know, it's so could calorific. Just, you could just walk past the tub. Oh, oh. dibble in there. Oh, 20 grams straight in the pot. <laughs> <laughs> that's me. I think that's one of the things it does teach though. It, it gives you an understanding of portion size, calorie yeah, cotton. Yeah, for sure. Obviously, one of the really things, easy things like we discussed at the start is that it's it's so fucking easy to do. You can now do it on your phone. Like there's a device yeah. where you can. I think the new update on my fitness pal is like you don't even have to scan labels. You can take that thing, a picture. You, you, I think you can take a picture of the food and it roughly guesstimates what's in the bowl. I don't quite know how that technology works, but I think they're making advancements on it on it anyway. So calorie counting couldn't be any easier. Mm. Again, like you just mentioned before, it offers it still offers flexibility and choice because although you've got a a daily structure of what your intake may be with calories and macros. You can fill that with whatever you want. Yeah, you could have a chicken salad sandwich Why every you day. The which, thing, by I way. think that's an absolutely you fantastic sandwich. Every day, sandwich. And you pick the chicken salad sandwich because it's, Ben, it's absolutely bloody delicious. No, you have not. a you have a prawn butty. You're one to talk. No, it's not, do you know what that's like? That's like going and moving into your perfect house and putting like. What are those things that your nan used to have when you were younger to stop the flies coming in? Instead of having a back door, that's what you've got. Oh, the little black net You just things. ruined it, yeah? Yeah, well, it's one of those things. Can I just touch on something with calorie counting? It's not really a benefit, but I kind of believe it is. Yeah. So when it comes to your weight, calories do count. So if you're looking for weight loss, for example, and you've set yourself a goal of I want to lose weight and you don't have a bad relationship with food you know it's just your goal is weight loss this is a fact that has been proven time and time again in scientific experiments and research called overfeeding studies where these studies basically ask people to deliberately overeat and subsequently measure the impact of their weight and their health and all of the overfeeding studies have found that when people eat more calories than they burn they gain weight but that's just the basics of... Thermodynamics. Yeah. And the basics of if you are looking to lose weight and you don't really know what you're putting in on a daily basis, you're more than likely in a surplus. So you're going to put on weight. And that's where I think calorie counting completely does have a place for people who want to be accountable to their place. goal. Yeah. 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 How 
that is 100% the way to stay accountable to your goal. Yeah. The the other thing is, and it's the last advantage that I just had jotted down, was that you can still count social occasions. Like, you can still go out for food and, oh, yeah. and know, know what you're having. You can go out and have steak and chips and still be inclusive of your daily calorie intake. You don't have to go into fuck it mode because you're calorie counting or feel bad about it. That's not the point of it. Um, so just skim, skim over some of the disadvantages that I believe come from calorie counting. It can become obsessive. Yep. So we know it can become obsessive. Especially if you, like we said at the start of this podcast, if you don't have a sound relationship with food mm-hmm. and you, you're very much so in that thing of good food, bad food, this versus this, I can't have this, and you become... I think that's also to do with if you have quite an obsessive personality... If you're quite, do you know what I mean? If you're quite obsessive over yeah. things, like if you well, that's compare... what I mean. It's a behavioural and a personality trait that people become obsessive with. It. It's not the, the calorie count that's the issue. It's your relationship with them, like you just said. Yeah, if you compare myself with my sister, she, I put her on calories when she was on a cut. She was just so, she was really like calm and just really easy about it. And she's never done it before because Meg doesn't have a poor relationship with food and she was great. But if you compare that to my start of my journey, when I had a really bad relationship with food, I couldn't I couldn't put my phone down with my fitness pal on because I wasn't in a good place yeah. at, at that time. So I knew I had to stop using it. Whereas now I've got a really sound relationship with food. So like you said, it's so emotional. Well, that was my next point is that it's hard to get out of. Mm-hmm. You almost become consumed by it for some, for some people, by the way. And this is where like you need to set your stall out early in regards to the process of it. And going back to that bank account analogy, do you really need to check your bank account every single day? Probably not. Because no, you, of course you don't. You, 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 can, you can just check it a couple of times a week. You can I didn't realise you were asking me a question then. I was just staring at you. <laughs> That's what you no. do all the time. I know I'm beautiful, but... <laughs> no, you don't. It's, um, you don't need to check it every day because you know the ins and out goings. However, it's good to check up on it just to validate those, those numbers. Yeah. And that, I think that's the same. It's a disadvantage with calorie counters that you be- can become obsessed with it and it's difficult difficult to get out of for example over the past year i've worked with quite a lot of clients where we're trying to build up to this point where they're not using my fitness pal every single day for every single meal simply because you don't need to and a lot of the clients who are doing this are very very aware of what's in foods so it's not because they're doing it from a point of view of i need to know what calories are going in they're eating pretty much the same thing every day it's just a case of it's become habit, it's become habitual, and we know sometimes how difficult it can be to break habits. And I think that's all it is for some people is breaking down those habits. Yeah, definitely. Like, I, for one, I eat pretty much the same thing every day just purely because it's easy. I'm quite a lazy cook. I need I need my food and li- I need it. But I think because we're, we always have a lot on, we're very on the go, we're very busy, I just eat the same food every day and I just, I really, really enjoy it if you enjoy something and there's no reason to like not obviously I mix it up a bit but sometimes I'm just like oh I can't wait for my prawn stir fry can't wait for my chicken salad sandwich is it, is it, do you not like prawn butters? I've never actually bit into one before well but I have I have prawns every night for I've my dinner I've got a prawn sandwich in the fridge I'm going to change your life today okay because we'll you have prawns all the time you love prawns I don't know why and you love mayonnaise yeah, but and you love bread. I think it's the thought of cold prawns. But th- I'm thinking they've been cooked already, though. They're no, no, cooked. but it's they're cold. Yeah, but you wouldn't have, okay, you wouldn't have like warm salad or something on a sandwich, would you? Like mm. you wouldn't heat it up. There's just no point. We'll test that today. We'll do a little experiment. Yeah, we'll let you know next week how she gets on with the prawn sandwich. Anyway, okay. So some advantages of intuitive eating is 
it's obviously great if you struggle with food anxiety. So if you struggle with like counting calories and you've been in that place yeah. where it's been difficult, you've got a poor relationship with food, it's good to kind of just and help relax your relationship with food. It's obviously a great, great part of mm-hmm. it. Potentially also helps with your own body image. Yeah. In in what sense? In regards to, um, for example, like I've done, I did intuitively, intuitively eating for a while. And because you're not sometimes consumed by numbers all the time. Yeah. I was just training and eating for for mm. for enjoyment and I wasn't like too bothered about weight, wasn't too bothered about body image, I was just kind of doing it because it was like just living living life like you're supposed to do. Yeah. Um because I'd come from a pretty obsessive place of it. I then moved away from that and it, it did wonders for my my own body image as well because so I, was, I was looking at myself less. With your intuitive eating, did you get to the point where you did look at yourself and thought, oh, I feel a bit uncomfortable now. Like, did you get, I, I got, I'm just, because I'm thinking, because I got to that stage when well, I did intuitive eating. I've just shot a YouTube video this week, which is obviously, the, this is the first time I've done a cut since my disorderly in. And me and Cal did like a video update on this week's YouTube of like my composition where it's at, at the moment. Probably like the, the, the highest body fat I've been for a long time. Like where people would potentially, where people would say, that's probably the worst you've looked. For me, I, I looked at it, I wasn't asked. Oh, I think you look bloody great. Thank you. But like, obviously I'm holding a lot of muscle tissue, but it's the highest body fat I've been for a while. Mm. Obviously because I was intuitively eating for a while and calories are high. It didn't bother me though. Like I didn't look at myself and go, sorry, sorry, I look like shit. So yeah, it didn't, it, it didn't look at myself ever and go, no, nah, I feel like shit, I look like crap. Because I know like I'm going through different periods. I know some periods I'm going to, pull back I'm just gonna kind of eat for enjoyment sometimes and sometimes like now I'm gonna dial it in a little bit I get a bit leaner and I'll 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 look good it's nothing wrong with that yeah that's really interesting because I remember when I was intuitively eating and it was actually pretty much when we first got together but mine was kind I ate so much do you know what I mean like I actually had I felt like I had no control eat when you're hungry all right, I will eat absolutely... I didn't stop eating. And it actually didn't help me at all. And I got to the stage where I had to come away from that because it actually got quite... I just wasn't comfortable with how I was. Yeah, I know. Everyone's different with it, aren't they? It it suits different people for different reasons. But um, I've lost my chain of thought now. (laughs) Obviously, you're going to feel less guilt from it. Sorry, it was what I was going to say. Yeah. Because... There's no barriers there. You're not setting any um, calorie count which you can potentially go over. So you're obviously going to feel less guilty mm. from it because you're never going to fuck up. There's nothing to fuck up. So the level of guilt can sometimes be be dropped. Yeah. And, and obviously, the other thing that's going to happen is you're going to have less cravings because you're not you're just eating whenever you're hungry. Yeah, yeah. So I agree with you're that. You're not going to crave stuff. Yeah. And one of the really important points is with intuitive eating, why it is really fantastic is it because it emphasizes how food is not good or bad and labeling food can pose those problems because with intuitive eating, all foods are different. Everyone has different emotional thoughts behind food and the thing that intuitive eating tries to do is saying that all foods must be equal as in you should feel a certain way about all foods and not think about a food as good and a food is bad. I think the thing to just point out here quickly is that this is why 
although the, the title might be like calorie count versus intuitive eating, this doesn't mean that because intuitive eating helps and isn't demonizing foods. Calorie counting doesn't do that, by the way. Calorie counting doesn't deem, demonize foods. This isn't like one thing does one and the alternative the other and they're, they're opposing. Both have different advances and disadvantages. Yeah, but I think there, what you said, I think calorie counting kind of got a bad name in social media because you know all these things where it's like this personal trainer or this coach puts somebody on 600 calories a day. I think because you associate the word 600 in calories and counting, it got quite a bad name on social media in terms of like where people of like coaches, trainers and things like that of influence were putting people on such low calories. I think that's where it got quite a bad name. Whereas I'm here with my girl saying, did you had 2400 calories today do you know what i mean like it's a really big difference i think i had, i was doing i had a conversation with two of people the other day about this kind of thing i know is slightly off track but people have people love on social media talking about high calorie intakes and how how many calories they're having i feel like there's almost an, embar- an embarrassment about like when people talk about that they're on low calorie intakes and there's nothing wrong with that people are gonna have to have different calorie intakes depending on their movement depending on the behavior depending on genetics and some people will have to be on a really, really low calorie intake and there's nothing wrong with that. And I think because it gets demonized about low calorie intakes, people are often then, when they get given them, have a real backlash against mm. them from some coaches. And I've had messages before of people like, this coach has put me on this many calories. And there's, unless there's like a real context behind it, I don't know why that person's been put on that many calories. It doesn't mean that that coach is wrong. It could potentially be that they just need to be on that. They're not moving a lot. Um, they might be having a diet break every two weeks. Yeah. Oh, it could be something genetic behind, like PCOS or um, hyperthyroidism, which we which we don't know about. Or they haven't been checked, and obviously that's a different kettle of fish. But there's nothing wrong. Some people just have to be on really aggressive calorie intakes in order to get down, and that's just the way it is. Obviously, some some of the other disadvantages now of, of intuitive eating are going to include that it is a lot. I don't care what people say. It's a lot harder to lose weight. Oh, yeah. Again, given that, I'm going to spin it back to this analogy of the bank. If you are trying to save up and save money and put yourself in a better position, if you never check your bank account, it's going to be quite difficult to do that. Yeah, because you you don't know your expenses. You don't know your expenses. You're roughly going to know what's coming in because obviously you're earning a wage. But you're never going to know what's in the bank account. You never know if it's really building up. You're just kind of guessing at shit, Mm. which isn't is in regards to the weight loss, isn't the most optimal way to do it. So that's one of the disadvantages of it. The other, the other big disadvantage of it is what you've just been into there, which is if you listen to hunger hormones and eat until you're you're full, you're potentially going to overfeed. Mm-hmm. And this is so easy to do, especially for females, um, because females don't need a higher, don't have a higher caloric needs as as some males do, like me versus you. Yeah because I'm holding a lot more tissue. So when I move, I'm expending a lot more calories. So it's very easy to overfeed as a, as a female. So if you're listening to your hunger hormones only, of course you're going to overfeed. Like if you're eating until you're full and just and listen to hunger hormones of eating whenever you want, of course you're going to probably, uh, it, there's going to be more potential for you to be in a surplus all the time and put on weight. It's just a given. Yeah, and this is the thing, like we are all born with that skill to eat, to stop when we are full, to eat when we are hungry, to eat satisfying foods. But as you grow up through different environments, that kind of, I think that kind of fades away. 
as you grow up and you learn different things and you go through different stages of your life I I don't know it's kind of like what would my calorie intake be if I had intuitively eaten my whole life do you mean like when you're a kid, you just like... You just kind of eat what you want. You're also, you... But like really when you're a kid though, how much control would you have over food? Because your parents control a lot mm. of like your eating habits, what you're eating, when you're eating. When you're a kid, yeah, I could go all day without eating anything because I'd just go and play footy all day. Because when you generally when you are doing something and not bored is when you're not hungry. Yeah. So like you can just do stuff all day and like never really look at it. Like I can I played in football tournaments like a, from like ten in the morning till six at night and just all of that. There's like a Lucas Aid or something because I was I'm a, my mind was busy so mm. I wasn't focused on food and I think like once you get into becoming an adolescent and your control over food becomes a lot more apparent, you can just pick up food whenever you want and listen to hunger hormones isn't really the the easiest way for you to to reach your goals. Yeah, definitely, and I remember. Well, I think, obviously for me, if I had intuitively eaten after I quit swimming, I would still be eating 4,000 calories a day. That would have not been okay because I was training nine times a week in the pool, four on land. I was constantly doing stuff all the time. Mm-hmm. If I if I quit swimming and carried on eating that like 4,000 calories, I don't think that would have put me in a good headspace at all. And I probably wouldn't have been expending that amount of energy. So I would have put weight on i think you've made a very very good point that i didn't even think about is that you could you can obviously intuitively but at different points in your life different Mm. there's going to be different demands in your body so for example when you were a swimmer your caloric needs were very 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 high high. so you could just you could you could probably just listen to intuitively flood yourself with calories and never put on weight and then when you then change and your energy output demands change dramatically and you're not outputting as many calories and you don't need need as much food and you're still listening to your hunger hormones from what they were previously then you're going to put on weight and yeah. it's very very difficult this is where we see especially with, uh, like when we look at like bro dieting and like we look at calorie surpluses where people really like over hype or really Overexpand what their their calorie surplus needs to be, and they push and push and push and push calories far too high. When it comes into this point where they potentially want to lose weight, and they've been in this overexpanded calorie intake, it's very very difficult to diet when you come back mm-hmm. down. Yeah, that's, I think that's the case for if you're intuitively and you're on a massive calorie intake because you're just doing whatever. If you ever change, like okay, well not even if you want to change because you you can still lose weight by intuitively in. It's just a case if you never know numbers, all you do is okay, I'm gonna drop us next week. I'm going to drop a snack out of each day and that's going to bring my calorie intake down by about three or 400. See if it puts me into a deficit, see if I lose weight. If I don't, I'm going to have to knock another snack out. I'm going to have to reduce my portion sizes. And then, okay, now I'm in a deficit. If you're eating really, really high calorie intakes, it makes it a bit more difficult in regards to hunger levels, especially in the first two weeks when it comes into this point where you want to start losing weight. Yeah, I definitely think as well, that's so right, isn't it? In terms of kind of like where you're at in your life and what sport you do. So my mum and dad for example they don't calorie count they eat intuitively they eat well but they cycle like 500 kilometers a week so they intuitively eat knowing okay i've done a 100k bike ride today feeling a bit hungrier yeah because they're so they're so sport do you know what i mean they're in sport yeah they're very sporty they're listening to their bodies they fuel themselves properly and i think that's it is so important isn't it to kind of just recognize where you are and how do you know how much you're expending on a day-to-day basis? Are you just doing 2,000 steps and that's it? Yeah. It's very different to doing like 50-kilometer bike ride. Mm-hmm. I think th- that's part of it. It's that intuitive eating, it teaches you very little 
about food education and about energy breakdown, about output versus input. So if you just go straight in from like a, whatever your perspective on, on dieting is, if you're like going in with the goals, right, I want to lose weight now via like which method do I go down? If you pick intuitive eating, I don't think you learn a lot about foods, the macro breakdown, the energy that comes from foods, the portion size like we touched about before. And it requires a good understanding of food and calorie portion size and basics nutrition, I believe, to be an intuitive eater. And I think like that's, that's part of the problem is that with intuitive eating, and I just touched on this before, most people who are good at intuitive eating, or I would even argue pretty much all people who are now intuitive eaters, have prior to that tracked calories. And that's why they are now intuitive eaters, because they already have a real basic understanding. They probably calorie counted for a long time, and now they understand how they can intuitively eat. Because it's almost like fucking Neo looking at the Matrix, you can just read it. I feel like I might be there. I feel like that's actually, you, I'm relating to what you're saying a lot. What, you're near or? No, <laughs> no, it's in like, so yesterday, for example, I... I was going to tempt him by throwing the can at your head and no, dodge it. I went out for brunch with my mum. I, I could look at my plate and think like, yeah, yeah. cows. So I'm, I just kind of know. But, that, that, but that's what... For experience. And that's what intuitive is a lot of them will do because they've been calorie counting in the past. Some intuitive eaters are there because they've had disordered eating habits and that's great that that now works for them. <laughs> exactly. And th- we do it for a day a week as well. So it's it's one of those things that you've got to take it with a pinch of salt when you're seeing on social media. I, I intuitively eat all the time. like don't give a shit about I don't count calories. But you, they know. They've got education in, in calorie counting already. So just take that with a pinch of salt. And I think with this, we can... I think we have to touch on this as well because it ties in quite nicely, which is the anti-diet culture. I mean, there's t- kind of there's different ties with with this and intuitive eating. If, if, if go on. Sorry, just a quick one before you move on to anti-diet. Sorry. Go Do on. you think with intuitive eating, if your goal is building muscle or putting on weight, do you think intuitive eating is kind of pretty sound, pretty okay? in comparison to if your goal is you you want to lose 10 pounds you want to lose fat i think it do you know what i mean like it's very goal dependent yeah I, i'd say it's it's easier to eat if you're building it, it, muscle what, what, the, the, the quote that we've always got to use is it depends because i my mate who um i speak to from pure gym sometimes like his calorie intake is five thousand calories that he needs to maintain weight. Like he generally, wow. if he doesn't eat that, he loses weight. So if he doesn't track, he loses weight. Yes. So like yeah. it's it, it got to depend. Yes, for the majority of people, being in a surplus and building tissue is a lot more easier. Sorry, it's easier like to intuitively eat that way. Yeah. Because you you probably most people will be in a surplus if they just listen to hunger hormones. Whereas when it comes to losing weight, that's a lot more difficult. Yeah. Because sometimes you're going to be hungry. And that's part of dieting. Like, yeah, we can wrap it up and be fucking namby-pamby about it, but part of dieting is being hungry sometimes and you've got to be able to kind of like know when to eat and when not to eat and, and fill your meals in a day to fit certain periods when your appetite's higher. Just part of it. Yeah, just thought I'd throw that in there. No, no, it's important, yeah, important point. But I think, as I said, we've got to, t- we've got to touch on anti-diet culture because it, it falls in tangent with intuitive eating because I think there's a, there's a lot to be said in regards to intuitive eating. I, I, I don't particularly... 
agree with everything that diet, anti-diet culture says, but I think there's some good takeaways from anti-diet culture that some people could use, such as, obviously one of the big ones is not equating weight, weight to self-worth. It doesn't demonize food groups like we just spoke about. And is this diet culture or anti-diet culture? Anti-diet culture. Okay. And it doesn't, it does not promote weight as a means of obtaining status. So the, these are just things, some things that the the anti-diet culture is kind of about. Okay. It's really interesting. I've just Googled anti-diet culture and it says being anti-diet culture seems to be the newest health fad and it worships thinness. It promotes weight loss to attain status. That's wrong. You look at diet culture. No, I'm looking at anti-diet culture. Anti-diet culture doesn't worship weight loss. It's the complete opposite. It doesn't promote obtaining status via weight loss. It's, com- it's a complete opposing view. Oh, Google, Google absolutely. You gotta be careful what you Google there. sometimes yeah. because that's what I mean. Like an anti diet, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I would say that the, the diet anti diet culture is far from a fad as well. So that was diet culture. It should have been there. Yeah, and like I'd say what I say is anti diet culture is far from a fad as well. I think it's got a place. Um, however, what I will say it's far more difficult, especially if you have never carried cotton to just eat intuitively and, and be anti diet. And it's funny because you often see people online and on Instagram and social media. I say people and coaches, by the way, who will be like anti-diet, but, mm-hmm. or like, when you look at them and like the paper thin, like really, really skinny, and they clearly count calories or, or, or have counted calories and obviously know how to calorie count it, are kind of intuitively doing it in their head anyway, but still fly the flag for, fuck diet, I'm anti-diet and all this, because they know it's a good business move. Yeah. Being anti-diet and um, against dieting is quite like popular on social media. And it, it, yes, it, it is. It's, it's like flying a flag because people know that it's good for business and they can kind of take that section of the industry and kind of fly the flag for it and know it's going to pull business in, even though that person isn't about it really. It's it, it bullshit for me. Yeah. I mean, I I said to you before this podcast, I just, I don't, I don't know anything about it. I don't, I don't read about it. I think I'm, I obviously just have, don't read it on social media. Like I just. I think you do see it though. Like you, you see it on social media. Yeah, it's prevalent on social media. It's kind of everywhere in the media in general. Like YouTube, I feel is a big one, but also TikTok is quite big with, you know, like diet culture and things like that on there as well. Yeah. So I think I see it, but I guess I I believe I have a more healthier approach to dieting and the, the, the way I coach my clients, the school members, we have people who kind of come away from that and need our help to sort their calories out, whether it's to bring them up or to bring them down or they've been in evening and they need to lose weight or whatever it is. I think I've just got quite... I don't. I don't read about it on social media. I yeah, see it. We're just, it's good to have debate about it and talk about, it, isn't it? I think the thing is, people know that it's an. It's like an extreme view almost, and extremes are very popular on social media. Mm-hmm. If you decide to kind of sit on the other side of the fence and fly the flag for it, yeah, you may get some shit, but it's great. It's great for business, and I think this was where the message gets kind of massively misconstrued, and what of what anti diet actually is. And what dieting actually is, because either side of the camp just like to slightly have one and throw stones from it. And like I've just said before, these these people who intuitively eat, guess what? 
They've counted calories for fucking years. They know what calorie counting is. They know what's in a fucking piece of toast. Yeah. Uh, they, they might be getting up first thing in the morning and going, yeah, eat the fucking cake, do this and that. Most of them aren't fucking doing it. They know that you're going to double tap that and go, yes, power to the fucking people. <laughs> when really, they know how many what food intake they're on. They know what they're expending. They've been calorie counting for a long time. They're a coach. Yeah, they might tell you that it's fuck, anti- it's fuck the diet culture. And I intuitively, but what they're really saying is, I've calorie counting for years and now intuitive dieting because either one, it's popular. Two, I've potentially been through like bad relationships with food and now I'm intuitively in and doing it this way. I've been on comp prep and I kind of misconstrued what my relationships with food were. And these are all things that we've got to remember because they already have that education there and it, that's where it's, it, it's kind of difficult. But what what about for someone new? What about for someone who's never dieted before and knows nothing about calories and we go, you shouldn't calorie count. You shouldn't know anything about food. You shouldn't be educating the people. Why? Why should we not be telling people about counting calories? Why should we not be telling people the energy that comes from food? Why should we not be telling people about portion control, macros, protein, carbs, fats? Why should we not be educating people for people who don't know anything about it and just tell them to intuitively eat and they never learn anything? Why would we do that? You've got to give people a choice. I'm not saying they need to go through the experience of calorie counting and use MyFitnessPal. However, that person that person still needs educating so they can make a choice. To tell them to fuck the diet culture doesn't help them. It never They never gain any knowledge from it. I feel like, because I'm just having to kind of Google stuff about diet culture, as evidenced by 98% failure of diets, where have they pulled That's that bullshit, stat that from? I think so, it, you you are well right. So diet culture places thinness as the pinnacle of success and beauty. I mean, being, so, someone asked me that question the other day, didn't they? Like, do you follow a diet? And I was like, every single person follows some sort of diet, whether it's intuitive, you're still, it's called a diet. I don't follow food. You, you know, you say you, you're following a diet, you're following nutrition it's it's just your habitual choices with food everyone follows on like it's just yeah 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 but 98 percent of failure rate i don't have a clue where that stat there's no way people can say that 98 percent of diets fail the the thing that we know is that diets work because people lose weight what what we are shit at is helping people maintain the weight loss because things fluctuate and people take upon themselves really unsustainable processes in which that the bounce back is a lot harder yeah. Because they don't pick something which is pr- process-driven. They, they pick something which is the quickest A to B. And that's why people fail at it. The thing that I would compare it to with intuitive eating, uh, sorry, people who go from calorie counting to intuitive eating, it's like using a sat-nav. They've used a sat-nav for years. They know the routes to everywhere. They've, they've driven using the sat-nav. They've got the fucking tom-tom out. They've gone to all the destinations and now they've gone, right, I'm going to fuck the sat-nav off and now I can just intuitively drive because I know the way around. Exactly the same with my fitness pal. They've used my fitness pal for years. They count calories. Now they know the way around foods and they know what's in the outside. And now they can intuitively eat because they don't need it anymore. Yeah. It's the exact same thing. Yeah, it is. And it's stated here. I, I'm pretty sure I'm on like a diet culture website thing. There's an issue with many restrictive diets that are scientifically proven to have a negative impact on cognitive function heart health and mortality while contributing to social injustice and weight prejudice but the thing is there with the heart health and mortality if you go the opposite way could you not argue the same thing obesity is a big problem in the uk heart health diabetes 
I don't. There's two sides. Do you know what I mean? There's completely two I sides. Got, whereas it's very one-sided. I think any extreme is going to be one-sided. Yeah, it's by anti, saying restrictive anti, diets is scientifically anti, proven. It's anti. It's going to be against yeah. everything that they impose. And I think that the thing we're trying to get to is there's, there's got there's a, there's a middle ground with stuff, and it's it's taking bits from from both to in order to put things into perspective and live a balanced lifestyle. Yeah, I think I think the biggest thing that comes, especially with the anti-diet culture, and me and Emma were talking about this on a live the other day, is confirmation bias. And uh, it's we, what basically what confirma- confirmation bias is, is it's about how we look for messages that we want to hear. Like confirmation bias is, is, is kind of like looking for things that back our own narrative. So i.e., some people who are overweight and struggle to diet will tell themselves they can't do it and lean to the anti-diet culture because it backs their own yeah. narrative of confirmation. Yeah. Whereas on the other hand, we have some people who are massively pro-diet, who have really poor relationships with food, who may see other people doing extreme diets and go, well, they do it, or this athlete does it, or this person works balls to the wall every day and is pushed more down that route. So I can do that or I need to do this because that person's doing it. So they're looking for the confirmation bias from a different avenue and a different person and that conf- conforms their bias. There's definitely two extremes, isn't and there? And I think both camps could do with some with taking away a little from, from either and getting some middle ground in regards to weight management and the relationships with food. Like if some of the anti-dieters who potentially conform to the bias of like failure and this kind of like backs their narrative that they can just fuck the diet off, took something away from the diet culture and the, and the people who are really pro-diet took something away from the uh, anti-diet culture in regards to bettering the relationship with food, they would probably both do a lot better off. Yeah, and I have an extreme example, which I found, because I think it's important to give an example of like extreme diet culture. Um, It's, so Lulu Lemon's founder was saying publicly that it's a problem when women's thighs touch. He said that? He or she. I don't know if it's a he or she. Fucking hell, it's a bit and uh, then, tongue-in-cheek, isn't it? And then Kim Kardashian explaining how necessary it is to squeeze into shapewear beneath the dress, saying without shapewear, you'd see cellulite and I just wouldn't feel as confident. So they're extremes that I do not agree with. Do you know what I mean? Like, they're very kind of like, your thigh shouldn't touch, you shouldn't see cellulite. Ooh. Whoa, I was bashing it down then, wasn't I? Yeah. So they're really, really extreme examples, aren't they, of of diet culture issues, I guess? Like saying your thighs I shouldn't think this touch. Is the thing, this is the thing, like, they're not both opposing, like, one doesn't mean the other. Like, wh- why why do those stigmas get attacked to diet culture? I don't know. They don't need to be, though. No, they don't. Saying. And that's why it's, sometimes it gets bashed online. But mm. With intuitive di- eating, we can't, just well we obviously you can but that's what intuitive eating is about you can't just eat as much as we want and you will you'll see people pushing it in the wrong way yeah and what i mean by that is you'll often see people who like talk about intuitive eating and they only post things that they want people to see like there's me like with fucking eating burger and chips and like i'm only eating pies and eat pop tarts and cereal when in, in essence they're eating chicken broccoli and rice and counting it all in my fitness pal and that's the wrong message and it gives people the wrong message who are like that's what i need to do i need to intuitively because that person's just eating fucking cocoa pops and chocolate milkshake they're still tracking all those calories mm. it's not just they're intuitively in the, the flexible dieting mm-hmm. but 
they're not intuitively and that's the wrong message that gets pushed out and i think that's why sometimes people lean towards that i can just do that and eat, eat whatever and hit my goals and if you want to lose weight or build muscle i believe you have to have some level of dedication yeah of course which is which is a little bit more difficult and people don't want to fucking hear that. It's taboo to tell people now, fucking stuff's going to be hard sometimes and you're going to have to be dedicated to doing it. That's the whole purpose of goals. Like, And I feel sometimes we just squash people's goals and put a little towel around people go, oh, that's okay. No, it's fucking not. Sometimes stuff, things are going to be hard and you have to be dedicated if you want to achieve a result. I'm all about educating people and telling people this is going to be difficult. This can sometimes, like we spoke about before on the podcast, lead from um, people who diet to pathological diet to disorder leading. We need to educate people on that. But we can't say, oh, it's hard, so I'm just going to fucking give up before I even try because that's massively defeatist. Well, yeah, and also, like, it's, like you said, a challenge is great. Everyone loves a challenge, like a mental challenge, a physical challenge, whatever it is. And yeah, sometimes meeting a specific goal a fat loss goal, a weight loss goal, whatever it is, you want to drop 10 pounds, might be a little bit challenging, but it doesn't mean you have to give up. Yeah, 100%. Well, that, that's part of it as well, though, because what I'm not saying is, I'm not saying it's not okay to, to be off track and fuck up, because everyone goes off track, and you can never fuck it up wholly. Like, you, people make mistakes with, with stuff, and you should not feel guilty about that. It's absolutely human nature. It's absolutely fine. You should not feel like shit because you've had something on the weekend or you've over it one day. That's fine. You just get straight back on track with stuff. Yeah. That's fine. You don't have to feel guilty about it. I'm not saying like you should do, but we can't we can't turn like an 80-20 rule into 50-50. You can't eat shit 50% of the time, what's deemed as shit, or overeat 50% of the time and diet like 50% of the time and expect to like lose weight. Like it's an 80-20 rule. Like that's what you'll see with people who flexible diet. Is that the kind of like, have good uh, macro and micronutrient content. They'll they'll train. They'll eat a healthy, balanced diet. And then sometimes they go, do you know what? I fancy going out. Like we do on a Saturday. I've, we'll make up some some pasta, have some wine, have a couple of beers, and that's that. That's exercising that eighty twenty rule where you can have like a, a day maybe of intuitive eating or off plan or every whatever you want to call it. It's categorically not a cheap meal, by the way. And that's where we create balance and flexibility. But you can't bend that rule into being 50-50 because shit doesn't work that way. Yeah, if you ate, if I well, if I personally ate like we did every single day on Saturday, I just wouldn't feel I wouldn't feel great. Yeah, I wouldn't feel energized in the right way for my sessions. Yeah, simple but as. I think that's where we again education comes into play and managing people's expectations because people then see people on social media who are mega lean, like I like uh, sitting in. Uh, five guys smashing burger and chips in and, and people are like oh I can just do that because this guy does it and that what they don't see behind closed doors is that, that he's not really doing that he's he's applying probably the 80-20 rule where all the rest of the week he's at a balanced diet he's, the rest of the week he's been in a caloric deficit and one day he's probably slightly over and that's why he's got results so I think that's where things are sometimes misconceived because again people see the highlight reel of people's Instagram of people are mega lean and feel like they can do that all the time and that's why we need to manage people's expectations yeah, I agree massively. Do you know what the other thing, which is so... I saw this... Um, I've saw people talk about this before in regards to like what humans used to do. And this is part of the anti-diet movement or intuitive eating movement is, well, years and years ago when we were first on Earth, we didn't count calories. We just intuitively ate and we were fine. We're living in a fucking different world. Like, you weren't getting up and hunting wild animals. You 
weren't getting up and walking hundreds of miles to get water in each day. You weren't building fucking houses and living in caves. Things in society now are very, very different. You now sit at a fucking laptop all day and you can order stuff on delivery and it's dropped off at your door. Yeah. You can you can go all day without moving off your couch. Everything, yeah. Everything's digital, everything's at your fingertips. We're not living in a time where you have to go miles for stuff and hunt for stuff and walk for stuff. People are fucking deluded if they think that's the case and that we can just do what you did like thousands of years ago because society has changed and modernized in very different ways where our output is very different to what it was years and years and years ago. And plus, there's way more stuff out there which is a lot very satiating in regards to the products like which are very sugary, the different saturated foods that have now been created and marketed so that we want it all the time that weren't around hundreds of thousands of years ago. Yeah, well, obviously we're in a, a first world country. We have access to all the fast foods yeah. and everything like that. We have the luxury of cars. We have the luxury of transport. Go back to cavemen times. They were riding mammoths, you know. They didn't have cars. They were on their feet a lot of the time. So they're, they're burning more. Why are you smiling? Remind, you know what I mean? Riding remind, mammoths. It reminded me of Ice Age. Ice Age, yeah. What was, I, what was he called, the mammoth, in that? Sorry. Mammoth. What? Mammoth. Mammoth. Manny. 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 Manny, yeah. yeah. Manny Sid, Diego. Of Ice Age, you know. Sid, the sloth. Um, but yeah, no, that is actually, people say like, hundreds of thousands of years ago, we didn't do this. Yeah, but we also didn't have BMW electric cars that people sit in now to drive around rather than getting 50,000 steps walking around hunting mammoths. So that is actually a valid point. Do you know what we didn't have? We didn't have Revels either. We didn't have Revels uh, chocolate Fucking either. brilliant. Yeah, chocolate raisins are so much. Off topic, worst Revel. The um, the toffee. Yeah. It's Best Revel. It's so, the chocolate raisin. Ooh, I quite like the minstrel version, you know. The little galaxy. We had this discussion thing. the other day. Why did they get, eating them? Why they got rid, rid of the peanuts? Didn't we? Yeah, but I I don't think that must have been a long time ago because I don't even remember peanuts being in it. Peanuts was definitely revels, but I think the reason why they got rid of them is because pe- people with peanut allergies. Peanut allergies. Yeah, yeah. I said that to you, which is well fair play because yeah, get them out so more people can have them. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, I was just pointing out your when people do actually say because I've heard people say we didn't do this hundreds of thousands of years ago. Yeah, I'm. I'm not surprised because there was there wasn't we didn't have all this this I call it luxury you know in a first world country that we do have today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hundred percent. So I think I think the, the the question is like how how can we intuitively how how can we like because that's got to be the goal. I'm st- like though we're talking about like two different narratives and I think intuitive eating's d- different potentially sometimes anti diet culture and they're, they're all one the same. So I guess it's probably going to be quite confusing with me going on a bit of a rant. But I think the ultimate goal is like how can we become more intuitive eaters? I, yeah. think, I think that's got to be the goal. And that, sorry, that was quite a loud burp, wasn't it? I do apologise. <laughs> how are we supposed to know what calories we're getting in? How are we supposed to know how much protein we're getting in? Because protein's very important for recovery and growth, especially if we're looking at muscle building. And, well, we can guess what food source we're getting in, but unless we're like really educated, how do we know? How do we know what's going in and out of our body? I'm not saying that we need to count calories all the time, but we need to be helping to educate people more so they can make better intuitive choices, like learn about calories, learn more about macros. Mm. I don't remember doing it in school. We probably did this to some degree, but the importance of it wasn't like really kind of driven home. I don't ever remember learning about calories or... You learn about the food plate, the good, the good food health balance plate or whatever it is and this and that and... 
which to be fair is probably intuitive intuitively eating yeah. on a plate your veggies your protein and you got your carbs your dairy your sugars and that is if you can get an all-round balanced diet of the health food plate yeah intuitive eating but you learn that when you're like six and you don't really follow that through do yeah, you yeah but again i would argue a lot of people like i've mentioned before who intuitively have had poor relationships with food and poor relationships with body image which is why they've kind of gone over to that anti-diet culture um but what we shouldn't do and this is the thing that i always do when i talk about my disorder eating we shouldn't push our own narratives on other people we shouldn't push our own experiences on other people because not everyone's the same and that's something that we can't do so i will never say to people you should not calorie count because i have disorder eating for it because the one thing that i want to get clear calorie counting does not lead to disorder eating sorry it's sorry it doesn't cause it yeah it might lead to it, but it doesn't cause it. Because becoming obsessive with it can cause it. Becoming obsessive with calorie count can can cause it. Which again, it's underpinned with eating disorders. They're psychological. They're classed as mental health disorders. So it's very, very much to do so with your psychological, emotional state around your body and around food and as ben said at the start if you feel like you're in that realm definitely go and speak to a gp a therapist or beat um mm. or is it is a great organization as well yeah and um, again i think this is why sometimes people from the anti-diet culture argue that dieting is dangerous i would argue the latter i would argue sometimes that anti-dieting if it's some people are uh, anti-education that is dangerous. Anti-education is dangerous. Because yeah. we should be educating people about stuff like this so they can make valid decisions. We know that at the moment we have a, an obesity crisis on our hands and the NHS is struggling to deal with it. And it costs the NHS hundreds of millions each year dealing with disease and people being admitted due to uh, obesity and, and things that come with that, such as like type 2 diabetes. Is that because people are calorie counting or is that because people are intuitively eating was that a question to i'm me? leaving it an open-ended question oh, open-ended question because comment on the youtube uh, what, your thoughts whatever what, what what most people are doing really most people are intuitively eating most people aren't counting calories and doing what people are just eating whatever they want and listen to hunger moments because the majority of people are doing that and that's why we've got a, a nation which is very obese because they just listen to hunger signals they're eating whenever they want until they're full and they just go and eat again when they feel hungry again and that's why it doesn't work i don't feel it works anyway because these people aren't being educated first into calories and into into macros and, and what protein and what carbohydrates do for the body and what portion sizes we should potentially actually be having yeah i think intuitive eating works really well if you have a sound relationship with food if maybe you've calorie counted in the past and you understand portion control, you understand what you're eating, you understand what's in food, or you intuitively intuitively eat. If you are an athlete, you're on the go, you're constantly moving, you've got a pretty demanding job, like a, a manual labor job, you know, because they, yeah, that makes sense what you obviously said. And for anyone who says we do not have an obesity crisis, we, we do. Statistics show that it is forever rising and it's not only rising in adults it's also rising in children and this is why the government are taking on initiatives for getting kids moving and getting kids out and about so it's not just a stat it uh, there is an obesity crisis pretty much the uk the us we're not great yeah that's where we're too worse potentially but 
I think just to like come wrap this podcast up a little bit, whether you agree or disagree with intuitive eating, because I don't I don't disagree with it, by the way, I think it's what everyone should be potentially striving for. Yeah, for after sure. After they've been educated with some kind of calorie counting or education on food and portion sizes, it's hard to argue that the core principles aren't something that we all should still adopt and to better our relationships with food to some degree. Mm-hmm. Because after all, we don't we don't want to all be living on my fitness pal for the rest of our lives, do we? No. It's a tool. It's not something that it's not a crutch that we need to we we want to be relying on for the rest of our lives. However, there are lessons that we can take away from it. Mm-hmm. And I think this is where we've got to take responsibility for what we're doing and the actions that we take from it. And again, like for me and you, we very much apply this eighty twenty rule, especially if you probably look on our Instagram stories at a weekend. We don't turn weekends into a cheat day or cheat meal because those type of terminologies I think are very dated now and we shouldn't be using them. But what we do do is we create balance over a weekend where we do have, for example, for me at the moment doing this cutting phase, I am calorie counting. I have brought my calories down into a deficit of 2,600 calories. I'm hitting a protein intake. I'm hitting a step count and I'm training hard. And I have a day on a Saturday of intuitive eating where I don't use my fitness pal. I eat based on when I feel hungry and when I'm full. And I have some foods that potentially wouldn't have through the week that because they just don't, I just don't feel great from eating those type of foods every day. And that for me creates balance and I love it. Mm-hmm. And again, everyone's got to find their own balance and what fits for them. And also with what fits into the structure and their means, because I think the thing that we can't do is squash people's goals. And that's what a lot of people do when I think it comes to the anti-diet culture, because what we're saying to people is that you shouldn't have goals. You shouldn't be dedicated to stuff because things shouldn't be hard things sometimes if you want to achieve stuff are hard most people who have achieved something in life whether it be composition based or be business based have had to sacrifice something yep i agree and and that's why for me like you're allowed to want to be better anyone who says you can't is a is a way of them saying that i've had goals before and i failed i'm going to try and relay my own failures on you i think that's what a lot of people tend to do with it and it's 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 one of those things like i've been i've been intuitive with that i've been counting calories for many many for probably like 10 years and that's why that i can quite easily just intuitively eat whenever i want because yeah. i understand portion control i'm educated i know what's going on i know what's going into my diet but even still people can be susceptible to disorderly and i think that's the, the big thing to take a, mm-hmm. away from it as well and i think all people like i said should be should be striving to educate themselves experience things and then move into more intuitive eating because you've you've been well educated from it yeah, I agree massively. And it's something that we've always pushed with the My Coach School, watch, train, learn mm-hmm. is our ethos. The learn bit is massively important. Bring yourself some education into your life and you'll thank yourself. You'll really, really thank yourself if you do educate yourself in a different way for food, for nutrition, for training. Do you know what I, f- I feel like, and this is a, to, 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 to finish off on now, I feel like people who say, fuck you to diet culture and fuck you to dieting and counting calories or whatever who now intuitively are a little bit like matilda do you remember like miss trunchable from matilda there's a quote i think when she's in the garage speaking to the guy and she goes oh i fucking hate children i'm glad i never was one isn't i'm glad i don't have them no she's glad i'm glad i never was one she was a kid though yes i know that's the whole point of my comment that I'm making. People say fuck you to diet culture and calorie cutting, although they've already done it themselves and now on a place of intuitively eating. It's exactly the same as you saying, I hate children, although I've already been one and done that and then I'm now an adult. And those two, I think mean, that's a very, very good way yeah. of, of, of viewing it. 
Well, it's, yeah, those people will say like, oh, fuck dieting, blah, 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 because it might not have gone so well for them. So they say they hate it and they've done this, but that's one person out of a billion people's experience. Indeed. And that's a nice way to wrap up the podcast. Indeed, I think I got a bit of high rate with that one. I think it pisses me off sometimes the way people push stuff and narratives on different people and yeah, people I, I, need to be educated to make up their own decisions. I will hold my hands up. I don't know anything about the diet culture. That's why I probably was a bit thrown off because I don't. I just don't. I don't read about it. I don't. I probably should, you know. No two sides of the spectrum, but, you can but I just podcast. don't. You can, you can go away and learn more stuff if you want about it mm-hmm. and read about it. So thank you so much for watching. If you're not watching, get watching on the YouTube channel for listening as well, guys. And as always, we really, really appreciate it if you do leave a review. Don't forget to jump over to the YouTube channel and drop a comment. Drop your Instagram name as well on April's videos for the giveaway. And this is the last chance you can enter April's giveaway. So make sure you don't miss that opportunity. Indeed. It's great seeing so many, so many people watching on youtube because i saw quite a lot of people from working from home they had like a screen up watching a youtube channel whilst doing some work so it's great seeing people jumping over to the to the youtube channel also when this comes out i think we'll be a couple of ways from the i think it's the bbc podcast award nominations for like the viewers vote so we'll open that up soon as well and drop the link in the youtube channels and the spotify and and itunes so that you can hopefully vote for us if you enjoy it, if you, if you don't enjoy it, then obviously don't fucking vote because there's no <laughs> point. But yeah, thank you for everyone who's tuned in again. Please continue to track us on story. And track us. Track us. I say track us. <laughs> track us on I'm, story. I'm running low on my caffeine at the moment. Tag so. us on your stories. Yeah. And we will catch you in next week's episode. Bye, guys. Bye, guys.